Mark chapter number 8. I'm going to begin reading in verse number 27 here in just a few moments. Mark chapter number 8, verse number 27. And we've been talking about the different decisions that God has for each and every one of us to make. And as we look through those decisions, we need to make sure that we're making the right decisions on those times that God has asked us to make decisions. And we've been studying through a few of those questions that are asked. And as we look into the Word of God, the questions that are demand and answer, and every one of those demand an answer. The very first question that we find in the Bible that God asks is, Where are you? Chapter number 3, he's looking for Adam and Eve, wanting to know. And then he, later on, he asks them, what, what have you done? Where, what have you done? And he asked Cain the same thing in chapter number 4. Uh, where's your brother? Of course, he says, well, Am I my brother's keeper? Uh, and we all know that he says that your, your brother's blood, it cries out to me, what have you done? The sin is uh, right there at the door and, and, and so forth, go forward that. But, and to be honest with you, these questions that God asks and directly asks people, they are not rhetorical questions. That they actually are meant for us to answer the questions that God has given to us in His Word. Of course, that very first week we looked at the invitation that Jesus Christ gives to us in Matthew chapter number 11. Verse number 28, he says, come unto me. Boy, if you need rest, if you need to have uh, comfort, if you need to rest a while from your heavy laden and labors that you're going through, I can give you that rest. And I'm so thankful that years and years ago that I decided to follow Jesus Christ and go to Him and give my all over to Him and let Him take full control of my life. And I'm sure that as we're here on a Wednesday evening, each and every one of you have done that as well. And then we looked last week, why, why don't we look at the decisions that come to and receive uh, the promises that we have and reject what he has promised. And then we have that uh, question that Genesis, uh, that Rebecca was asked, wilt thou go with this man that we looked at last week, Genesis 24, verse number 58. Just a simple question, wilt thou go with this man? And he, she had to make an answer and make a decision right then and right there. And I'm so thankful that in that same verse, she said those words, I will go. And Brother Avery, I'm so, I'm, I'm so glad that when Jesus Christ came to me and gave me to know that I was a, say, a sinner that needed to be saved from my sin, that I was able to say that I will go with Jesus Christ and I will follow Jesus Christ and I will place my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And we look through those and those decisions that have those indisputable and lasting consequences. And it's not all of our own uh, a life, that, but many others surrounding us have to deal with the question or the circumstances of the decisions that each and every one of us make. When we make a decision, uh, many people want to say, Brother Glenn, they say, well, I'm my own person and whatever I do, it's my body. I can do what I want to do. I can do whatever. It doesn't affect anyone else. And that is not true. Every decision that each and every one of us make will directly affect someone, whether it be positively or negatively. And we're all going to make these decisions that we have. And I can either do great good or I can do great harm to people around me as I make decisions in my life. And as we make those decisions, and that's why I was really impressed of the Lord to follow through and to look through these questions that we have. And there are questions that God directly asks mankind uh, as we go through those times and those decisions, whether we reject or whether we receive Jesus Christ. And that is so important to each and every one of us. But here in Mark chapter number 8, verse number 27, we begin, and Jesus Christ himself begins to ask his disciples a question. He asked them very directly. Look in verse number 27 with me. And Jesus went out and his disciples 
into the towns of Caesarea Philippi. And by the way, he asked his disciples, saying unto them, Whom do men say that I am? And they answered, John the Baptist. Some say Elias. And others, one of the prophets. And he saith unto them, Jesus said to his disciples, But whom say ye that I am? And Peter answered and saith unto him, Thou art the Christ. And may I say, Peter, you're spot on. May I say you are absolutely 100% correct that he is identifying that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. To be honest with you, I've often wondered about those conversations that are not recorded in the Word of God. To be honest with you, it would be so amazing to be able to have access to some of those uh, conversations that he and his disciples had. You think about those times when you're just sitting around and you're not really doing anything important. And maybe you sit around a fire, a campfire. Our, our family loves to, we'd love to go out and go camping and, and have a good time and, and set a little fire and make s'mores. Glory to God, we might as well dismiss. I done started talking about food. But s'mores, you get those s'mores, and, and Brother Earl, I wasn't so great, but Heather, she was really an excellent uh, uh, a marshmallow. She would just be able to get that thing just toasted just right. It wouldn't burn. Boy, I'd get it in there. I'd get it in the flame. I'd get it too hot. It'd set on fire, and I'd flip it back behind in the pine straw to catch on fire, and half the place would start burning, and we'd have to start dumping water all over the place. Had a friend of mine one time that he was uh, wanting to get a lantern going and he was pouring some fuel in there. And then uh, as it was going, it started lighting. And as he, uh, that, that flame started coming up out of the, the lantern and started going up to the, plate, the nozzle where he was holding that fuel can. And he threw that fuel can and there was a trace of fire that went flying through the air. And boy, when it landed, it exploded in that pine straw. And we looked like a bunch of little Indians doing a dance out there trying to trying to stomp it all out. I'm telling you, it's those types of times that you think about. But I think about those little campfires, maybe, that the disciples sat around and just talked with Jesus. Boy, to, to, just to be able to, to ask Him questions or to, to give His uh, uh, time and to, to be able to hear what the wisdom that He would give Brother Richard, to be able to see that God Himself is taking the time to spend with you. Or to do that. And then, Dad, I got excited. Because I can do that. <laughs> Hallelujah. I do get to do that. I do get to spend, not physically, do I sit down on a stump and sit down and see Jesus physically. But I, I get to talk to Him. I get to speak to Him. And I begin to, to pray to Him and thank God that I have that communication. And you think about those times where they're, they're there. And then in our text, though, Jesus asked His disciples about the people around them. He says, uh, who do they think I am? What is their opinion of me? What is, what is going on? What is there? And there's a list of people, of possibilities that, that are considered as, at that time when they begin to, to look through that. And, and when you look at verse number 27, you could really look at this as it's the opinion. What is the opinion of everyone? See, the opinion you have of Jesus Christ has eternal consequences. 
And so does the, the, the opinion that they had at that time. And they, he asked their opinion of what they had seen by those people that were seeing him passing by. And to those that were seeing him that, that had performed those miracles. Those that had seen him raise somebody from the dead. And somebody, those that, had, uh, that he had healed blinded eyes. And somebody had maybe seen him as he, or even were part of that 5,000 that were fed on that hillside. And, and they loved to see what God could give them. He, they loved to see what Jesus Christ could provide for them. But they didn't want him. They rejected him in a way. They desired those comforts that he supplied. They desired those things that he could give to them. But they didn't want to have a deeper, more meaningful relationship with Jesus Christ himself. But then when we get to verse number 28, look at this. That's the options that we have. What are the options that are given? The options there are that they say John the Baptist. Why in the world would they say John the Baptist? Because John the Baptist is coming back to haunt you. Herod, you've already, uh, you're the one that's put him to death. And now he's coming back after you and he's going to come and, and haunt you. So Jesus Christ must be him. Or Isaiah, Isaiah, the great prophet, one of the great prophets that mankind had ever seen. And those people of Israel thought, maybe it's him that's come back from the dead. And, and he's coming to uh, testify once again. Or maybe it's just one of the other one of the other prophets that are mentioned in the Bible and in the Holy Scriptures. And, and they had thought that Jesus Christ was a good man. And may I say this, that you can think that Jesus Christ was a good man, but that will not give you salvation. <laughs> you can also, they thought that he was a prophet. You can even, Brother James, say that Jesus Christ must have been a great prophet because he did great and mighty things throughout his earthly ministry. To be honest with you, we can easily prove, Brother Cecil, that Jesus Christ was on the face of this earth. We can easily prove the impact that he had on that. And those people thought that he was a great prophet. And you can think that he's a great prophet. And there's a great number of people and religious people that think he is a great prophet. But that will not get you into the glory world. They also thought he was a great teacher. Boy, he could teach and could expound things and could open their eyes to be able to see great and mighty things. But they didn't think that he was the only begotten one. The one that he had already proclaimed. The one that John, in John chapter number 1, John the Baptist looked out and said, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. They wouldn't uh, trust in the fact that he was the Messiah. They wouldn't trust in the fact that he was literally God in the flesh. A union uh, uh, between man and God. 100% God and 100% man. That way that he was able to, to do that. Boy, their opinions of him were not that. They didn't think he was the Son of God. But when the option ran out and the opinions got personal then he asked the disciples real simple what about you and God always gets personal with us when Jesus Christ got personal with me, I had to make some recognition on my own, Brother Lonnie. I had to understand that there were some things that I had to know and learn about myself number one, that I was a sinner on my way to hell and there wasn't anything that I could do but other than to just trust in Him and know that He could save me. And then He got a personal relationship and, and He was on a personal level with those disciples. And when He gets on that personal level, all of these other things begin to come in view. Because then when it's personal to you, then it's your opinion and it's not other people's opinion. It's, it's your opinion and it's your options that you have. And then He really says, now I want you to think about it this way. What are your observations, Peter? What are your observations, John? What do you observe about me? And Peter stood back and proclaimed, 
proclaimed and declared that Jesus Christ, you are the Son of God. You are the Christ. Boy, I'm thankful that he decided to do that, to be able to say that. He had that distinction that you're not those other men. You're not like one of those other men. Why? Because there's none other like Jesus Christ. (laughs) He is... He is one of a kind. He is unique. Now, I'll be honest with you, a lot of us have probably been called unique, but most of them are probably not saying it in a nice way. You're different. Oh, you're different, all right. You're unique. Yes, I'm unique. Trust me, they threw the mold away. And my mom prayed for that mold to be put away. I guarantee it. She wouldn't wish that on anybody else, I guarantee it. But boy, we think about how is it that it's unique? Well, Jesus Christ was the only one like him. As a matter of fact, when Peter proclaimed, Thou art the Christ, that means you're the only one. You're the only one that could possibly uh, be this. You are the Christ actually means the anointed one, singular The only one of its kind, singular that it has. You are absolutely unique. But yet, there's another thing that they realized and they observed about Jesus Christ. Not only was he unique, but he was unspotted. (laughs) Hallelujah. Now, they spent time with him. They spent hours upon hours and days upon days with him, uh, spending time seeing how he reacted. When things didn't go his way, they saw how he reacted. When things were going his way, they saw how he reacted, how he responded to people when they came to him. They saw all those little times. Now, I won't be honest with you. When you go ahead and you go ahead and and begin to to hook up with somebody else that you're able to spend a lot of time with, you're going to find out some things. When Heather and I got married, I found out some things. Amen. I know it's the day after Valentine's Day. It'll be all right. You did your service and you gave your candy and all that good stuff yesterday. At least I hope you did. Uh Uh-oh, I'm getting shaking heads. When Sister Heather and I got married, I found out some things that I didn't even know about. Brother Steve, there's some things that you don't learn until you begin to live with someone. There's some things that you don't understand about them. You don't know why they're doing that way until you spend 24-7 with them. Brother James, I didn't understand why she wants the toilet paper to go under and I want it to go over the top. That was the very first argument Sister Heather and I ever got into. I won, by the way, praise God. You watch, I get home tonight and she's going to change it over after she watches this. Boy, those times, but, but you learn those, even those deep, dark secrets, those things that, that you wished you wouldn't have ever figured out, those things that you uh, know and understand now that, boy, you, you thought, boy, I, I thought that they were perfect. I thought that everything was just great, and I thought that uh, they could do no wrong. Then all of a sudden, you find out that they're this, made out of the same flesh that you are. But that wasn't the way it happened when they started spending time with Jesus Christ. Boy, they saw a man that that responded the right way, that God... Why? Because he's God in the flesh. As a matter of fact, in Hebrews chapter number 4, he says, For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. 
Boy, what a wonderful thing to be able to know. And we understand that we have to do something with these questions. And as I begin to look through, Brother James, these questions that, that he was asking, I had to ask myself, even years and years and years after reading these so many times, who is Jesus? What does He mean to me? What is it that God has really, truly done? How can I uh, honor Jesus Christ with my, with my, with my whole uh, being? How can I do that? And I begin to come up with a few things. And I begin to look at it this way. And Number one, that I see him as the redeeming one. (laughs) Glory to God that he has redeemed me. Boy, this morning in the morning service, this morning we we sang a song, Redeemed, Redeemed by Love Divine. Glory, glory, Christ is mine. All to him I now resign. I have been redeemed redeemed. And I'm so glad that God has redeemed me by the blood of Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, you will say that there's one that could probably possibly redeem me. And I'll be honest with you, there's nobody that would have, could have, or done what I needed to have done. And there's nobody under the sound of my voice in the sanctuary or on the property of this church or watching by the way of the internet that anybody could do anything to pull you out of the sin and the sin debt that you had. But glory to God, Jesus Christ stepped forth and He said, that I will. I'll be the one that will sacrifice. I'll be the one that will lay down my life for Him. I love them that much. I will be that sacrifice. I will be the one to redeem them. And as Isaiah chapter number 47 says, that as for our Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, is His name, the Holy One of Israel. Thank God that we know who that is. Jesus Christ is His name. As we look through what redemption really means, and we, we think about what redemption really means, Brother Shane, I, I think about that in the Old Testament. What is redemption, and why would you need to be redeemed? And we don't really fathom that. We don't understand that. Uh, we have visa cards and all that good stuff. Amen? Brother Don was talking this morning with some of the people uh, after church or some, uh, or, uh, this morning service. I don't know anything about it. I don't understand it. But he said that we'd go into a store and we would redeem with redeem things with green stamps. Okay, there's a lot of people that know what you're talking about, Dad. Glory to God. They would redeem things. They would get things and they would do that by collecting these green stamps. But thank God that there's even greater. In the Old Testament, we begin to look through. There were three things that could be. A wife is one that could be redeemed. One that lost their husband and did not have a son, did not have an heir, that needed to be redeemed. We see that uh, uh, when we look through Ruth. And we see that beautiful story that we have there. Then we also see a slave. A slave could be redeemed. Why? Because they got into debt. They could not pay it and they would not be able to to pay that back, so they went ahead and put them into slavery to pay back their debt. But somebody could come along and redeem them, pay their debt, and bring them out of that terrible place of slavery. And thank God that it could be. But then thirdly, the third thing that could be is a possession. A possession could be redeemed. Something that somebody lost because of uh, uh, some type of debt or some type of thing that was going through. But then all of a sudden, the Redeemer would come by. And there were three qualifications, Brother Ray, that you had to be in order to be a Redeemer. Not just anybody. Now listen, I was telling you that there's only one like Him. Come on now. 
There's only one like Jesus Christ. There's only one that could do what Jesus Christ has done. There's only one that could stand there and spread out His arms and begin to have His life be taken away so that I might be able to live His blood shed. There's only one that could do that. There's only one that could get up from the grave, glory to God, on the third day, victorious over death, hell, and the grave. There's not anybody else that could do that. But I begin to look through and see, Brother Steve, what is it that takes? Those are the three things. But who is it or how is it that it takes? Well, thank God. Number one, the first one has to be that you have to be a next of kin. You've got to be kin to them. You say, Brother Shane, there's no way that you and I are kin to Jesus Christ. Well, in Genesis, (laughs) this excites me. In Genesis, we can look through and we begin to see that God would take him and formed man and formed him from the clay. And then he breathed, gave life, glory to God, gave Gave ability to live, glory to God. Breathed the breath of life into that first man. And he became a living soul. Well, if I, I'll be honest with you, I don't think you can get any closer than the person that breathed life into your body. I believe with all my heart, Brother Jerry, that God knows every child that is ever conceived. And I know that God knew me before I was ever born. And when I was conceived, thank God, He knew what I'd be doing on February the 15th of 2023. And thank God that He knew... What was happening in every aspect of my life. He was my kin. He is my near kinsman. He is right there beside me. I am part of the family of God. Hallelujah. Thank God because he has redeemed me. He's a kinsman, near kinsman. But number two, what is it else? He had to be willing to pay. (laughs) Now there's a whole lot of people, Brother Steve, that you can look out and you can say, Hey, you got the money. Y'all, y'all did the same thing. If you got the money, honey, I got the time. That's exactly what went through y'all's mind too. Because that's what went through my mind. If you got the money, you got the ability, you can do that. And they might be able to, but they not be willing to. But thank God, Brother Shane, Jesus Christ didn't say, I, I, I could, but I don't want to. He, he stood and says, I'm willing <laughs> Hallelujah, glory to God. He said, I'm the one that'll, that'll redeem them. I will. I'm the next of kin. I met qualification number one. Qualification number two. I'm willing to do what it'll take. And the, boy, you think about it. It's not just uh, writing a check or bringing out a check, uh, a debit card or bringing out some type of form, of, pay, uh, form of payment or bringing out some gold or doing anything like that. It was his life that was required. He had to lay down his life for God so loved the world. Thank God he loved each and every one one of us. And then while that we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Glory to God. Hallelujah. That boy, I was in my sin, but God was willing to pay. And Jesus Christ was that one. He was the one that was willing. And then he had to be able to pay. Now, I'll be honest with you, brother Gus, there's a lot of times that I know people that are willing to help me out, but they can't. But Jesus could. Hallelujah. So when we see the redeeming one, we see that, thank God that he was the near kinsman. Thank God that he was the one that was willing to pay for us. And he had the ability to pay for each and every one of us. You say, what 
was the means that he had? What was redemption's uh, means? What was the Redeemer's means that he had? In Revelation chapter number 5, verse number 9. I love that verse. Boy, it just screams to me. Why? And they sung a new song saying, Thou art worthy to take and open the book and open the seals thereof. For why are you worthy? For thou wast slain. Glory to God. And hast, I love this word, redeemed us with his own blood. Thank God we see the means, we see the ability, we see the uh, uh, the way that he's willing to do all of that, the kinsman that he had. And, and I love the fact, Brother Earl, when you begin to study the Bible, that when you look through these, there's three words for redemption that we see or for redeem. A gazero is actually the first one. That means that we would purchase in the market. That means we go down and we purchase something from Publix or Walmart or Aldi's or whatever you want to go to, whatever store it is that you love to go to. Some of you like to go to Macy's and some of you like to go to Goodwill. Praise God. It's great to go to both of them. Hallelujah. Whatever you're able and want to go to, you can do that. You can buy it from the market. They have the supply. They can do whatever. They can supply that. But you can redeem it. You can purchase it out of that market. But then the second word that we have is lutru. It actually means to loose and to set free by paying a price. That means to bring and pay a price and say, now you are no longer a slave. Now you are no longer under this slavery any longer. But the word that really excites me and the, and the word that's used in Revelation chapter number 5 verse number 9 is actually ex gazero. Is actually it's a, 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 a exaggerated or emphasized first, a form of that first word. It means that you purchase it out of the market, which is great. But then it's to never be sold Again. To purchase out of the market. Let's see if y'all get it better than they did. (laughs) But never be sold again. Hallelujah. That God is not going to put us on the chopping block. God's not going to say, hey, I I invested in you and I thought that it was going to do, but you know what? I figured out that you're not going to be the good investment that I thought you would be, that you haven't done exactly right. Every time that I told you to, you know that I redeemed you, you know that I saved you, and you know that I've done this for you, but you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. You're not keeping your end of the bargain, so I'm just going to sell you to the highest bidder. Glory to God. Jesus Christ doesn't do that to us because when He loves us and He cares for us, for us and he redeems us and he brings us to his home he's never going to put us back on the market brother Lonnie he'll never put you back out there and say hey I don't want this one anymore glory to God he wants me he loves me he died for me he cares for me he has redeemed me hallelujah None of that redemption's means, but also I want you to see the might, the redemption's might. Why is that? How is it mighty? Because the Lamb has redeemed and He will never, will never have to do that again. How has redeemed us? He shed His own blood. He died so that we might have eternal life. But He won't ever have to die again. Why? Because once and for all, what He did was sufficient. Boy, they would take lambs and they would take goats and they would take the turtle dove and they would take all of those things that would go before and they would make those sacrifices year after year and day after day and time after time and the stench and the smell of burning flesh was surrounding that tabernacle. But thank God, 
God. It's not the stench of burning flesh anymore, but it is the rose of Sharon and the lily of the valley and the bright and morning star is the one that the fragrance comes through and sweeps through the tabernacles of God now. Thank God we have a Savior that is loving and caring and has redeemed us. And the might is saying, I will never have to do that again. Hallelujah. I'm getting excited. Praise God. I don't know if you could tell yet. But the might that he has, having obtained eternal redemption, the book of Hebrews says, redemption for us. Why? Because Jesus Christ entered into the Holy of Holies that was not made with hands. And he stepped through and he took the blood of his own blood, the blood that was satisfying to God Almighty. And he poured it out on that on that mercy seat, the mercy seat of heaven. And God then said, I'm satisfied. Why? Not with the blood of bulls and goats, but with the blood of my son, the blood, the perfect blood of Jesus Christ and redemption could be made. Why? Because God has done it right once and for all. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Not only is He the redeeming one, but boy, you, you look with me. I think about this. I think that He is the, he's the resurrected one. Hallelujah. I thank God that I don't serve a dead God. I was watching the History Channel And please, I beg of you, don't get your theology from the History Channel. It will be in much error. I watched a special years ago about who was Jesus. Well, first of all, their grammar is wrong. It's not was. It's is. Thank God that he is still alive. And as I began to read through that and look through that, they were talking about the other gods that people would serve. And they talked about the other men that people were trying to serve and would set up as gods. And they were talking about going to the tomb of this person and going to the tomb of that person and going to the tomb of this one. And you could go and you could spend time and, and worship at the tomb of this person. But he said, and, and, and Brother Jerry, this is what amazed me. It, was a, it said Baptist minister. And he said, the tomb does pose a problem for us. What? Why would that cause a problem? I don't want to go to a tomb and see the bones of some man. I don't want to go to a tomb and see the the remains of somebody that that had been a, a prophet or anyone. But thank God, if I go to the tomb over in Israel, that people believe there's no one sitting there. There's no one in there. There's no one lying there. Why? Because the precious Lamb of God, the Son of God, the sacrifice that has satisfied God, is the one that has resurrected and got up from the grave. He's the one that has gotten up and said, Hey, I've got the keys to death, hell, and the grave. Hey, he's the one that got up and said, you don't have to worry about the sting of death anymore. Why? Because I have overcome, glory to God. And you can overcome because I have overcome. Thank God the resurrected one is the one that we get to serve. Hallelujah. Glory to God. 
a resurrected one, what? He gives us a victory. Glory to God, He came out victorious over death, hell, and the grave. Jesus had conquered where no one else had ever had. And He tells us that we can overcome the world because He has overcome the world. John chapter number 16, verse number 33, Jesus gives us that promise that we can have victory. But then also, He wants to remind us, Brother Jose, when we get to Revelation chapter number 1, He also says this, For I am He that liveth. Glory to God, hallelujah. We can stop right there and we can shout for hallelujah for a little while because he's already proclaimed the victory. Brother Michael, he's saying, hey, I'm the one that lives right now. I'm the one that lives forevermore. I'm the one that can give life to you when you need life. Glory to God. He's already proclaiming that I've got the victory. But he goes on a little further. He says, I am he that liveth and was dead. We found the correct word in grammar, praise God, was dead. The one that is no longer dead. But thank God he goes on and he says, and behold, look out. Glory to God. Think about this. Ponder this for a little bit. Be shocked and awe over this fact. But behold, I am alive forevermore. Oh, I'm getting excited. Praise God. Boy, you think about the fact that if Jesus Christ is the one that's alive forevermore and He gives us eternal life. Glory to God. We come out knowing that if He can live, Brother Ray, if He lives forevermore, guess what? I get to live forevermore. If He's on the throne of heaven and He's reigning in heaven, guess who gets to be there? Brother Shane gets to be there in heaven to be able to reign with Him, being made kings and being made priests. I'm thankful that He's there, but I thank God that he's let me in. And I love how he says and backs himself up. At the end of that, he says that I'm alive forevermore. He says that good old word, amen. Can't we say amen tonight? Glory to God. We say that amen and he says, and I have the keys to hell and to death. Boy, he has the... He has the keys. He has the access. He has uh, the, the power over that. And then, Brother Oliver, then I begin to think how Paul, why is it that he's able to write so victoriously in his life? Why is it that he said, I'm not afraid to go to the other side? Why is it that he's able to say, Oh, death, where is thy seeing in First Corinthians uh, first chapter 15? Why can he say something like that, Brother Jerry? Because he knows the Savior. Because he has a relationship with Jesus Christ. Because he knows that he has been given the victory and thank God that we have the victory over all of these things because the redeeming one is the resurrected one hallelujah you say well what's so great and wonderful well if you hadn't got excited yet I don't know how to get excited but I've looked at Revelation brother Tag I looked at Revelation chapter number 19 When you begin to read chapter number 19, there's a whole turning of everything. Boy, there's wrath that's come through. There's judgment that's come through. There's all these terrible things that God has laid out judgment upon the people of this earth. Those that have not put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, they've had this horrible judgment. But then all of a sudden, the tables turn. Revelation chapter number 19, we get to go eat dinner. Hallelujah. And you can tell by looking at me, I like to eat dinner. 
Some of y'all too look like y'all like to eat dinner too. But hey, uh, we, we all have these, this time. And they're going to go and have the marriage supper of the Lamb. What's happening at the marriage supper of the Lamb? The bride of Christ is coming in. And glory to God, the bridegroom is accepting that bride. And there gets to be a wonderful, blessed, beautiful reunion. And, and, and a union that takes place there. And on this earth, when we begin to look at Jesus, and we see the history of Him, and He told one man that I don't have a place to stay. I don't have a lot of things. Things in this life. I don't have a lot of possessions in this life. And you may say, hey, I'm with brother uh, Jesus. I'm with my uh, heavenly brother that I don't have a lot of possessions in this life. I don't have a lot of great things going on in this life for me. But oh, look what you have on the other side. Because when we get to Revelation 19, we see that not only that we have the victory, but we see a new vesture that is on Him. We see a new robe that is set on Him. He didn't have the nicest of clothes and robes during that time, but there is a new vesture that's set upon Him. We look at Him now and see Him high and lifted up at the right hand side of the throne of God. In Revelation 19, He says, and on His vesture and on His thigh, a name is written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I get to serve that one, the resurrected one that is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And glory to God, if you don't get excited that you get to serve the King of kings and the Lord of lords and don't understand that the resurrected one is the one that has saved us and he is the one that has redeemed us. Boy, we just need to praise God that God has done all of these great things for us. He is alive forevermore and he is the King of kings. Now I need to hurry. Because, well, I'm not going <laughs> to. Hallelujah. You look through that resurrected one, but then lastly, this is the one that excites me the most. You say, Brother Shane, how in the world could you get any more excited? You should have seen me running laps <clears throat> around the office, running laps around the church house. You say, I would love to have seen you, Brother Shane, run anywhere. I would too. <laughs> but I was doing the best I could. Maybe I'll, say, I'll rephrase that. I wasn't running. I was trotting at a very rapid pace. We'll just do it that way. But the last one that I got so excited about, Brother James, is simply this. He's the returning one. Hallelujah. You say, well, I already knew that. I didn't say it was new. I didn't say it was going to be some epiphany for you. But to know that the one that has redeemed me and to know the one that has resurrected is the one that's also going to return for me and for you. <clears throat> Hallelujah. That gets me excited knowing that God Himself is coming. You say, Brother Shane, what are you talking about? Well, Revelation chapter number 4, verse number 1, that's the beautiful words, those beautiful words that we have, where God looks over the portals of heaven and looks over the balcony of heaven and says, Come up hither. And I thank God that I'm going to be part of that crowd that is brought up. Thank God I'm going to be part of the crowd that Jesus Christ has redeemed. I'm thank God that I'm going to be part of the crowd that's going to be waving my hands and praising the resurrected one. And when I see Jesus Christ rise up and be able to come and get each and every one of us and return for you and for I and hear that trumpet call, the call that is going to be all around this world. Now, I'll be honest with you, Brother Jerry, I was always amazed when I was a kid, we could always go outside and play. And it didn't matter where I was in the neighborhood, Brother Steve, 
I could always hear mama's voice. She was a loudmouth, but she'll get me after that one, Brother James. Just come protect me. Hey, now, you're on her side. The returning one for the Lord Himself. Thank God. No matter where I was in that neighborhood, when it was time to get called home, I could hear my mother's voice. And I could hear it distinctly. I could know that it was my mother's voice. Brother Jose, I didn't have to say, was that mama? No, because I knew mama's voice. Why? Because I had had been talking with her. And I had been spending time with her. And so I could recognize her voice because I... I spent time with her daily. I spent time with her all the time. And I could know, boy, I could, and, and the brother Lonnie, this is the dangerous part, that then I, I, the third call, when I was trying to not go, then I could hear that third call and I could hear the tone of her voice that I was in trouble. But thank God Jesus ain't going to have to call. But one time. Hallelujah, glory to God. Jesus calls us one time and we get to go home for the Lord himself uh, shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. And Revelate, or, uh, 1 Thessalonians 4.18 tells us at the very end, wherefore, because of that, comfort one another with these words. Boy, it's a Comfort to me, Brother Richard, knowing that Jesus Christ is returning and coming for us once again. Boy, why would he come? Boy, I, I heard through this. Revelate, or, uh, Romans chapter number 5, verse number 8 tells us this. But God commendeth his love toward us, and while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And everybody gets excited, and that's a wonderful voice verse, and we're able to proclaim the victory because of that. But in verse number 9, it says, Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Why is he returning? Because he wants to spare me. (sighs) Lord of God. He wants to spare us from the wrath that is going to come to this earth. We don't have to go through that terrible time. We don't have to experience those terrible days. Why? Because Jesus Christ is coming again. And he lives to secure us. Boy, thank God that we get to go to heaven. Thank God that I get to see him. Thank God. And I'll be honest with you, whether it's by the grave, whether I close my eyes in death, or whether it's by the resurrected one coming to return to me and bring me back up, I'm going to shout hallelujah either way. I'll be honest with you, Sister B, come faithfully on the Wednesday mornings until she had gotten really sick. And when she was coming, she would just get back there and she would just raise both her hands. And whether anybody else was enjoying preaching or not, she's enjoying, and, I, and, and I'll be honest with you, she wasn't listening to me. <laughs> she had somebody, another frequency, I think, that she was listening to. Why? Because she was praising God. And she was enjoying her time with Jesus Christ. Last time I talked to her, Brother Richard, she said, Brother Shane, I'm praying that God will let me come and worship Him one more time. On Valentine's Day. Early in the morning, guess what she got to do? She got to 
Mm, glory to God. She got to worship, praise God. She got to spend time in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. She's there basking in the time and she is secure now. And thank God that we have a, a, a day knowing that Jesus Christ is coming and He's going to stand. Even Job said that He'll stand in the latter day on this earth and He's going to return and He's going to reign forevermore. Thank God that He is returning for us, the children of God. Hallelujah. So I'm with Peter. Who do you say that I am? Well, I'm just going to say he's the redeeming one. He's the resurrected one. He's the returning one. Thank God someday I get to be with him and see him face to face. I'm so glad that I am one of his. Thou art the Christ. Let me ask you this. Who is Jesus to you? On a personal level, who is Jesus Christ to you? Let's stand all over the building. Heavenly Father.